You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. Welcome to For the Lord. This is Roger coming to you on Wednesday, the 18th of January. Recently, we had the massive, massively expected Switch. Um, what are we going to call it? Presser? It wasn't even a presser, really. Well, it kind of was. It, it wasn't a Nintendo Direct. Uh, it was more of a, a poor one at that. Sales pitch? Yeah. So we are going to be talking about that, but we're going to actually tackle that a little later on. You'll notice that Joe is actually not with us at the moment, and that's just because he is stuck in traffic. So we're going to give him a little bit of time to join us. We're going to. He could have Skyped in on his cell phone he if he could. was dedicated enough. You know what? You did so in a fucking hurricane. I'm I'm gonna just flat out say it. He's he's wimping out on us. I I feel like he does not have his priorities set. So let's touch on some of these other things, and then, like I said, we'll go back to the switch later on. You found this really cool video on the new torment game that they're working on, and I was pretty freaking impressed. I don't know about you. How awesome was this video? It was great. <laughs> I, because it, it, they they wanted to show off the interactive quest system of the game with all the branching storylines and paths and this and that. So they put up a YouTube video with all of the various, you know, outcomes. And then as you're watching the video, you can click on the choices in the quest and actually see it play out. Like I went through it a couple times. It was for a tiny, like real, realistically a small little video. This had so much impact because it wasn't just a developer sitting there going, oh, we could do this or we could do that. It was you as the viewer slash player getting to interact with it. And that was very effective. I thought it was very cool because the encounter that they keep repeating is actually not that big a deal. I mean, in terms Mm -hmm. of like when you're looking at it, it doesn't take very long and it's not a huge in-depth quest and yet even that, like you finish watching it and they talk about the different choices and you're going, oh, okay, well, it's pretty standard kind of thing. And then there's another and another and another. And you're going, for that little quest, there's this many. And I love that as many uh, choices as you're given, like one of the video, one of the options, there was like three options. There's also a fourth. Just don't do anything. Mm-hmm. And again, this idea of, death also being an option and i was like holy crap that's freaking awesome and it's i'm assuming you played the original torment right once again never finished it but yes <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's one of the iconic pc rpgs from the late 90s so i'd forgotten just how long this game was in development the kickstarter for this game torment tides of numenera was in march of 2013 yeah I actually remember that. <laughs> and they said they were going to have to delay it a couple months. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, I remember Hoog's talking about it quite happily at the time. Mm-hmm. So that's partially why I remember. Yeah, no, I freaking, this is this is really cool. I really dig the the aesthetics of it as well. It's It actually is that nice blend of looks really good, but not over the top kind of thing. It still has the same style feel as mm-hmm. the original kind of thing. Not, you know, it's, obviously it looks much better, but that feel to it, I really dug it. Yeah. And I think this is going to be pretty successful. And I don't just mean like, you know, financially successful, but like as far as how it's going to work, especially compared to the original Planescape. Because the original Planescape Torment was based on the D&D setting of Planescape. And especially with the old school D&D games that Baldur's Gate, Neverwinter Nights, they were based on uh, older editions of D&D where role-playing and the game mechanics were kind of two completely different things. They weren't doing each other any favors for the most part. (laughs) So making a game like Planescape Torment that was almost entirely narrative-driven, trying to use the D&D rule sets, it it worked. Obviously, the game was fantastic. 
But Numenera, I haven't played Numenera. I don't know a whole lot about it, but my limited experience with Numenera is that it's going to lend itself much more to a narrative-focused game. So that's something really to look forward to here. Well, what I think, too, is that it's going to be appealing to a much broader audience now than it had back then because mm-hmm. it would have been much more of a, a, a specific core group of people who would have wanted to play it. And over time, certainly more would have tried it, but not nearly enough as this will do now because there's going to be a lot of people who will know that history of the IP. And even if they don't, they'll be introduced to it enough by other people now. And again, the gaming uh, population is a lot bigger now than it used to be. So it's just going to attract, I feel, a lot more people to it. And it's presented in such a way, at least from what we've seen here, that it shouldn't scare anybody off either. It's it's very user-friendly is the wrong term, but you know what I mean. It's easy to just uh, bounce into mm-hmm. it and have fun with it and not feel intimidated by the rule sets. Yeah, definitely. Because rule sets scare me sometimes. <laughs> I still have not played Roger, nearly enough. you still enough. haven't learned how to play Dungeons and Dragons. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> my, my youngest son has been playing Dungeons and Dragons. Now He found a group through the university where he goes, and he's been playing now for months, and it Doors. It fell in love with it and has been having a lot of fun. But what's funny is that whenever we're talking, I keep saying, like, I'm not an expert here. Like, I, I, I've I, played a bunch of games, but I don't know jack shit. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> so don't take my word for any of this. I think the guys let me get away with a lot of shit that you normally would not. <laughs> How many uh, NPCs has he set on fire? I don't know. I don't think he has. He's a nicer person <laughs> than a, I am. <laughs> there's a family legacy to uphold here. No, no, no. He's he, he's a person that I, I I would like to be. <laughs> it's not the other <laughs> way around. <laughs> he's a good kid. So it's funny you were mentioning asking if I'd finish or if I played Torment. I was saying I haven't finished. I'm actually working on that. I've been going back and playing through games and finishing them. I finished off not long ago the Arkham Asylum. And literally yesterday, I finally finished Arkham City. (laughs) Now I know I'm behind here. It's not like I've been playing it since it came out, you know, but I went back and I reinstalled them and played through them all. And, uh, and so now I just installed um, uh, which one Arkham Origin, and then I'm going to work on Arkham Knight. I'm going to have to start that one from scratch again because I forget what the fuck I was doing in that one. Anyways, let's move on. We got a little bit more information as well about, well, kind of about the new game that. Um, well, it's not Atlas. It kind of is, but it's yeah a subset it's, it's, of it's, them. Yeah, it's Studio Zero, yeah. a subsidiary of Atlas. So the new game that they're working on. Yeah, which I remember we were talking about it in the year-end episode. And you're like, oh, well, so what do we know about it? And my answer was, they're working Nothing. on one. Yeah. <laughs> well, we finally got a little more information. Uh, Dengeki PlayStation uh, Magazine in Japan had a really great interview with uh, Hashino, the founder of the studio and the director of the game. Uh, for those who don't know, which is everybody but me, Hashino has been with Atlas for a long time, uh, worked on numerous games for well over a decade. Most notably, he was the director for Shimigami. Tensei 3 as well as Persona 3, 4, and 5. So he's got quite a big track record at Atlas. And this was him sitting down and going, okay, first of all, we haven't really done anything new in a while. We've been doing Persona and SMT related games. We're still doing Etrian Odyssey, but that's it. The only new thing they've released in a long time was Catherine, which he also directed, by the way. So he's like, you love that one. Oh, I, I absolutely adore that game. Remember, I actually shit. I actually have it. pretty goddamn hard too, like gameplay wise, but so quirky and lovable. Like, great. I keep thinking about playing it because it was and one of the months for uh, PlayStation. It was their free game, so I've got it. It's just a matter of deciding whether or not I actually want to play the damn thing. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? First, I'm finishing the Batman games. <laughs> <laughs> Once I'm done those, maybe I'll play Catherine. All right. So eventually I'll down. work my way towards 2016. <laughs> <laughs> he sat down uh, with the heads at Atlas and they decided to form this new studio, Studio Zero, focused on making you know something new. And he decided when he was looking at 
when they started making, you know, games at Atlas, you know, the, the Shimigami Tensei and all those related games. If you wanted to make an RPG, you made a fantasy RPG because that's what RPGs were about. So that's why they went with the more modern, uh, post-apocalyptic, slightly futuristic type settings because back then nobody was really doing a whole lot of that. And that's really what made the franchises stand out. Well, now everybody's doing yeah. that. So it's the perfect time to go make a fantasy game. <laughs> Well, you know what? A fantasy game, as long as they could toss in some originality, mm -hmm. would be phenomenal because, yeah, we could use a good something original that has that nice dark edge that you get from the Persona games. I guarantee you're going to get a heavy dose of, well, not the aesthetic of Persona, definitely a lot of the feel because that's what he goes into, like how in Persona it was very much – it's specifically Persona, because that's what's uh, guiding a lot of uh, the design philosophies here was a lot of it was, you know, day in the life of not day, but, you know, a year in the life of this person, the main character that you're following along and their interactions with people in their everyday life, going to school, going to work at the bus stop, at the diner, you know, stuff like that. Well, you can't do a lot of that in a fantasy setting because it's just not how fantasy settings tend to work. And if you're going to do something like that in a fantasy setting, you might as well just make another Persona game at that point. But he still wants to have those good inter-character relationships, but in a very different way. Like he said the the concept they're going with here is it's very much a journey, uh, you know, uh, on the road, meeting new people, visiting new towns, and the way that you are going to, you know, form bonds with people in that way, not just other humans, but now they have a big chance to bring in other races and how are they going to interact. And it knowing what they've done with the Persona franchise and now that they have such a larger breadth of experiences that they can draw upon for this game, this this has me getting really, really excited right now. The only thing that I'm worried about is them falling into the same tropes as they've used time and time again for the Persona games. And there was some kind of mention of that in this article where they talk about specific time frames for the characters of putting them mm -hmm. as late teens and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, well, no, I, I think he specifically said he doesn't want to do that in this game. Oh, I, OK. There, I'm not going to lie. There's parts the I skimmed. Quote. So I, I read most of it, but I did do some skimming. So it's possible. Okay, yeah, but the main it, characters of current games and anime are often designed to be ages where they're shortly before becoming an adult, such as high school students, yes. who are easy for users to empathize with the most. Hashino is creating the image of a different type of protagonist. Okay, good, good. Because, yeah, that was the biggest thing for me. It, not that I have a problem with those games that are geared or that allow you to play as a teenage character, but there's there's – such a breadth of age groups that they never make use of that it would be nice to have, you know, mm -hmm. be it a middle-aged person or whatever, not just this always playing a kid. So, yeah, no, that's fantastic then. Excellent. And one thing that also really caught my eye when he was talking about, you know, doing research for fantasy settings and whatnot, well, he went to the world's greatest role-playing game, of course, Dungeons yes. & Dragons. Yeah, that was awesome. How <laughs> he'd never really played tabletop RPGs before, but he sat down and, you know, he had a lot of fun. But he realized something in that how the role of GM works. And it's not – the GM is basically just another player. They, they have more responsibility, but at least a good GM will base what they do on the player's feedback. So that's how he's seeing himself now. He said, you know, we're not going to do like a GM mode for the game. That's not, that's not what, but he doesn't see himself as the director or designer of this game. He sees himself as a GM and he really wants to figure out a way, <laughs> if you will, of having that kind of give and take when he's designing the game of, He's not just making the game. He's also playing in the designer role. So it, it sounds like he's having a lot of fun and trying some really interesting approaches here. So, again, the track record of games he's put out, I feel, speaks for itself. So until I hear otherwise, I'm going to be extremely excited for whenever this comes out, 2018, 19, who knows. I was really impressed with the D&D stuff that he was talking about simply because it's one of those things that I think more game developers should be doing 
to quite literally be not just playing it, but breaking down the components of what makes it fun, what makes it something that the, be it the players or the GM enjoys and feels vested in not just their characters, but the stories as well as the world that they're in. So mm-hmm. by really studying the mechanics and the, and again, the, the, the principles of whether it's only certain D and D sessions or, or like a, a full campaign or whatever, I think that, most would really benefit from that. I, I really well and truly do. Even again, the little bit that I've done, I kind of look at things a little bit differently now in terms of be it creating a story or an idea for something or whatever and crafting it and thinking about it in terms of that kind of experience and what that brings to it. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay, let's yeah, move I on. Had... Go ahead. No, I was just basically just going to reiterate how how excited I am for this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for something that I knew literally nothing about a week ago and then read one article for it. It yeah. Yeah, very cool. And then we found out that there's gonna be plenty of banging in Mass Effect Andromeda. <laughs> so the producer no kidding. Michael Gamble, the producer, was tweeting about this and was um basically soliciting questions from people and somebody did ask if there would be banging in the game and he replied so many and the banging is pretty good (laughs) so people jumped on this of course and with just cause like i mean you can't drop something like that and not expect people to gravitate towards it what i thought was funny and and it and it's not so much to talk too much about that but the idea of that moving forward in not just Bioware games, but any type of game that allows you to have those relationships with NPCs or some of your companions and whatever. And if we've reached a point where that level of mature content we feel can be done well enough to create encounters that are... Um, I don't want to say in-depth, but that are, what's the word I'm looking for? That really sink you in, well, kind of, yeah, as opposed to just a Shatner moment of banging a green alien. Mm -hmm. Because that's that's what worries me. Like, I can look at the various romances that have been in all three of the Mass Effect games and look at, and kind of imagine, okay, well, how much better would it have been had there been a lot more whether it is gratuitous sex or meaningful sex and whether that would have made a huge difference and whether or not point blank, even just to the point of not just the writing, but if the graphics are good enough yet to make it look like something, and I'm not talking like porn level stuff, but something that is meaning that again, meaningful and looks right as opposed Mm -hmm. to broken because most games you can't even plan to kiss on someone without the face being clipped wrong and everything looking utterly ridiculous. And again, I don't know whether we're at a stage yet where it can be done well and be a meaningful part of your companions and the questing for your companions, or if it's just going to be, once again, Shatner moments in space. Well, I, I look at Dragon Age Inquisition because in all of the Bioware games, the relationships is specifically the consummation thereof have been at best disappointing but frequently just cringeworthy (laughs) it was the best way to describe it but dragon age inquisition by kind of finally diving in and going you know what no we're not going to fade to black or do sex scenes with people in their underwear we're actually just going to do this and those were some of the best scenes in the game like uh, of you know the main characters in bed after afterwards like it's it made it feel so much more complete. And if they can carry through with that commitment into Mass Effect Andromeda, yes. <laughs> you just want to bang a whole bunch of Asaris. <laughs> and your quiet, your silence speaks volumes. <laughs> Listen, there's a lot of species in the universe. You don't know. Oh, you want to do it with a Krogan. All righty. That would be funny as hell. (laughs) 
That's what I want to see. Two words. Iron Bull. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, I again, I, it's, it's one of those things where if done properly, then, yeah, I'm I'm definitely down with it. I it's 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 even if there is some some that's gratuitous, but some that's meaningful, that will echo reality. And so I would really like to see that kind of thing as well. I would like to see a system where it's not just seen as an achievement kind of thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Ding, you banged a Krogan. But something that... (laughs) Episode title. (laughs) But something that does offer people the opportunity that if they want, they can, you know, do both. And I would like to see more in terms of consequences as well. Because that's one of the things that that I liked about SWOTOR as well, where some of the people, some of the characters, like the um, Imperial Agent, you could romance multiple companions. Same thing with the Smuggler. In Inevitably, you reached a point where if you had been romancing one companion for long enough and then you kind of started flirting with one of the others – you got the confrontation of, listen, you got to make up your mind which one of us you want to be with. The smuggler one was pretty groan-worthy when you got to that point. It was horrible. Whereas the Imperial Agent, I thought, was well done because um, Calio basically just kind of is so could care less. It's like, fine, if you're with her, you're with her. We're done. And, and so I kind of liked it. But I would like to see that kind of thing but done properly here with the nuances that we see in reality because, you know, some people will be, no, you cheated on me, we're done, whereas others will say, okay, let's see if we can fix this. I would like to see a lot of that, which is inserting a lot of drama into it, and some might even say melodrama, although I don't feel that in meaningful adult relationships that kind of infidelity is melodrama it is drama so i i kind of would like to see that because then there's more consequences to okay are you going to have this fling with this asari or are you going to stay loyal to your krogan kind of thing so i i'm listen it's all about what they do with it didn't cheat on laria laria no what was it what was his name god i've already completely forgotten the mass effect characters oh no the um, talia Tal- no no the 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 asari i didn't One, romance the you asari Parker. Oh, yes, I did for a bit, I thought. No, Liara. No, Li- yeah, no I didn't. Not, I had, uh, what's her La- name? Not Laria, Liara, yeah. Because she was my romance in the first game, and then I went with Jack in the second game. Right. Wrong person to piss off. <laughs> <laughs> Consequences were present. <laughs> yeah, no, I did, uh, I did, uh, Talia, 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 Talia. Talia. I, I did. I, I romanced her. She, how could you not? She was awesome. <laughs> and then on uh, my female character, I romanced uh, Lizard Boy. You're not the only one that's forgotten these names, but I always do. So anyway, so yeah, that's... Uh, I just put the vowels backwards. I just... Uh, I'm curious what they're going to do with it. They've got a track record of doing some of it very well. So... I'm really looking forward to it, which is an odd thing to say, <laughs> but I am looking forward to seeing what the banging will be all about. All right. So we are going to move on to the switch thing just a few days ago. <laughs> I actually did not watch it when it came out because it was like 11 o'clock our time. And mm-hmm. I kind of said, fuck it. So I watched it the next day as well as the videos. Uh, by then, they'd revealed a little bit more information as well, so we had a little bit more to go off of. And uh, it's funny because I was shooting the shit with Joe as I was watching it because he'd watched it the night before. And then as I was watching it, of course, I'm giving my rant commentary to him. <laughs> and he's just laughing because most of these things were things that pissed him off as well. Right from the get-go, I can say I was not impressed at all. Like, at all, at all, at all. There were a couple of things that I thought, oh, that's not bad. Oh, that's kind of cool. But overall, huge, huge, massive disappointment for me. What about you? I mean, this is where we 
finally got the reveal of what we all suspected that the emperor's not wearing any clothes. Like there's nothing here. <laughs> it it's it's a Zelda game. Not only that. <laughs> That's all we got. Well, yeah, yeah, no. Not only that, but the other things that were announced that were talked yeah. about as well a little bit later on in the next day kind of thing were not good. Like these are not good things. No. Now, in terms there's very little to to look at and go, "Oh, this is something I'm interested in or excited for the future." Yeah, no, no, not at all. What was funny is that and and he never did answer me. I was really curious if when it actually was live, and again at the 11 p.m. Eastern time, if the general consensus on social media was that of excitement or of, oh, what the hell is going on here? And he never did answer me that. When did you actually watch it? Uh, mostly the next day. Okay. So, yeah, I I had to kind of go back and then I was looking at a variety of videos from other people to see what their thoughts on it. And the vast I mean, the general was, consensus I got, at least on Friday, was quite positive because Twitter is always quite positive about new Nintendo things regardless of how terrible they are. See, everything that I saw was not positive. There were hmm. some positive things in terms of hardware, but that was also before more details, which fuck, we barely have any details about it. But the few details that we were given is, again, not good. Like this thing, like, again, they they still haven't given us full tech specs on it. And this is annoying as all hell. And we understand that, again, most of their games don't require a ton of power, but still, it'd be nice to... to 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 get more details like one of the tech specs the specs that i found on another side i didn't even find it on nintendo's stuff uh was just the resolution of the damn thing 720p that's not a lot now people will uh, say if, if i'm not mistaken it's 720 in handheld mode and up to 1080 in dock yeah yeah when it's docked obviously it'll do more but in handheld mode it's 1280 by 720 yeah and like again that's not a lot and people will say, yeah, but it's a smaller screen. It'll still, I'm not saying it's going to look ugly, but compare that. And, and I can, honest, It's like triple the resolution of the 3DS. I well, okay, awful. yeah, there is that. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. But what I mean is as someone who is now on his uh, second iPad, my wife's got uh, uh, one of the newer iPads. My son's got one as well. My daughter's got an iPad mini. Her husband's got the iPad Pro, the large one, like I'm around iPads a lot. And what I can tell you is that if you compare, say, first generation iPad, even with just the one that I have, the third generation one, the boost in the uh, the pixels density is so noticeable. Now, that's not to say that it didn't look great initially. Of course, it did still look good. But when you compare it and you look at it, it's like, holy shit, there's a massive difference. And that's this. I'm, I'm sorry, but that's fucking low resolution that's uh, that's not impressive at all um yeah by, by today's standards again if you're trying to court third parties who are already developing games at higher resolutions not not a point in your favor no no not at all and and okay like again i'm going by what is on this this was on Eurogamer, and they've got a, a ton of information as well on the joy con controllers and whatnot but if this is incorrect then Okay, I'm, I'm really hoping it is, but it seems pretty official here. And that's that, that does not impress me. And then there's those fucking controllers, the Joy-Con control. How much time did they spend on those stupid uh, controls? Do we really... Well, they had to talk about something. Jesus, do we really... Let's show that Mario trailer again. <laughs> did we really need to see him shaking a glass of ice cubes, though, with water being put in? We really did not. Did we need to see minutes and minutes of a cheesy Western video? Uh, that that one-two switch bullshit. Oh my god! That is a horrible. Wii Sports all over again. No bullshit. I will no. I will defend Wii Sports against that accusation. <laughs> Wii Sports had some awesome shit in it, and as a party game to 
introduce people to the console when it first came out. And even Granted, yes. for a while, man, there was a ton of shit that was a blast with that. Mowing down a 12-inch sandwich with your teeth with the controller in front of you, milking a fucking cow, rock, paper, scissors, and drawing who can draw an imaginary gun faster. Oh, my God. These are prototype tech demos. You don't put that in a final product. That's just, okay, what kind of silly shit can this do? Oh, okay, now how do we apply that to a real experience? Because <laughs> that ain't this. So the whole haptic HD rumble pack feedback bullshit, yeah, that's that's ancient shit I really don't care about. The whole arms thing about fighting, because initially that was my first reaction to Joe. I was saying, well, if nothing else, you'd be able to use it for fighting games. Boom, arms video comes out, and I'm going, well, there it is. And then you watch it, and you're going, the fuck is this? Like, seriously, come on. I... I it- it looks fun, but like that's one of those games where you like you play it for ten minutes. And you're like, okay. I don't even I'm think good. it looked fun. Like, I didn't. I, I I think it did look fun. Well, you but, play a lot more fighting games than I do. Listen, calling that a fighting game is <laughs> it's people punching each other. It's a fighting game. It's not the it's not a good one. We can agree on that. <laughs> but it is a fighting game. So. What's funny is that I was literally just playing Injustice with my son last week. And we were having a blast. No, we still enjoy it. We still have fun with Injustice. We really do, actually. Here's the thing. Injustice is actually a pretty good fighting game for people who don't have a lot of experience with fighting games. I'll give you that. I will readily accept that. Although he does a lot more fighting games than I do, which Mm -hmm. is probably why he beats the shit out of (laughs) me. (laughs) <laughs> what does this button do? I don't care. I'm going to press it 47 times. <laughs> but uh, but we do play it. And then I was watching the Injustice 2 video and I was like, oh, okay, well, you know what? It'll be something for us to do again and play. And mm-hmm. it's fun. We like the characters and all that shit. But then I'm looking at this. I'm going, there's no way in hell that I'd want to play this. None. None. Forget about it. And then when you look at some of the other titles that they talked about, a, like you were saying, next to nothing. <laughs> what titles? And B, a lot of them are just ports. Like Splatoon mm-hmm. 2 is essentially a port. I mean, it's the same goddamn game with a few new uh, maps kind of thing, new weapons based on your Joy-Con controller. That's about it. Like, I mean, it really and, – and it's not even coming out at fucking launch. It's coming out this summer. But, yeah, that's pretty much a port. The um, Mario Kart – is a port is literally a port and it's not coming out until much later on they're talking how, third how, quarter how exactly like, my point is how exactly. does Nint- how is nintendo not prepared not capable of porting their own game to the new hardware in time for launch yeah I've, how are they releasing super mario odyssey in fucking winter of this it, holiday it, 2017 this it's, it just shows you how completely thrown together at the last minute the entire concept of the Switch is. The only games they have coming out for it are either very, very slim on features like ARMS and 1-2-Switch or a game they were already making in Zelda. Yeah, yeah. Now, I didn't even say it at the beginning there, but it is coming out on the 3rd of March, <laughs> which is a lot sooner than anticipated. So that was like, okay, good, that's fine. But then you're worried about what are you going to do with this thing? Because you need games to play and not just That Zelda game Zelda. better be really It fucking better be good. goddamn good. <laughs> so, because again, these are now, things. In all fairness, that trailer, awesome. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was it was fantastic. And not just that one, the, um, the Xenoblade Chronicles 2 trailer. Mm-hmm. But that ain't coming out at launch. I don't even know when that thing is coming out. I don't even know if they said it. But yeah, (laughs) I saw that video and... I'd be shocked if it's out this year. Yeah. Like, by that point, I was really disgusted with the Joy-Con controllers, with everything else. So (laughs) that video comes up. Well, first it was the Super Mario, which I went, that actually looks pretty good. That looks... It doesn't look... 
really fun. Mechanically, it looks awesome. I love the whole little hat throwing thing. Like that seems like a nice, you know, new twist. I just can't get over my cringiness of the Mario in the real ish world. Right. And that's entirely due to Sonic 2006. Right. Like that's as soon as I see Mario in a world with more realistic type characters, I instantly mentally go to Sonic 2006, and that's not a place anybody should ever go. See, I didn't mind it. I I took it for what it was, and it was like Sonic 2006. Yes. So I was like, I I I can see the comparison, but fuck, it looks cool. I'm I'm all right with that. I would like to play this, but it's it's entirely a Vince thing, not a Nintendo thing. And then you see Holiday 27, and I'm going, well, fuck, that's like. Many months away from when the thing is going to release, and then maybe the, by holiday twenty seventeen, you can actually find a switch. Yeah, and then the Xenoblade video comes out, and I quite literally out loud, I'm sitting at my desk where I am now, out loud say, "Oh, don't make me want to buy this. God, don't make me want to <laughs> buy this because <laughs> it looked awesome." And then there was a very brief little video for Fire Emblem's Warriors, and then I go, "Oh God," and then it was like, "Well, that's pretty much it." <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about third-party games and development, and there's like Dragon Quest ten and eleven, um, Dragon Quest Heroes one and two. Um, they did. They talked briefly about Shin Megami Tensei and the, some Atlas stuff. Um, what else? Project Octopath. Sega. They didn't even talk about anything. But Skyrim. It was like. Nobody gives fucking a fucking ass, ass how, about that. How how is Skyrim not a launch title here? Like again, what is why why do we have to wait until August yeah. to have a port of at what an seven? How game. how old is Skyrim at this point? It's old. Yeah, how, like that again shows either a this was thrown together so last minute that that's how much time they have to port it over, or b Bethesda just doesn't give a shit, <laughs> which. I mean, that Should I don't they? know which is worse. Oh, come on. Like, I honestly, Bethesda looks at the Nintendo Switch and goes, yeah, we'll put we'll do something people on that port. Yeah, we'll, we'll get yeah. you something eventually, you know. But would think about it, though, honestly, you're Bethesda. Would you really want to sink a lot of money into developing, be it a new something for the Switch, or oh, even hell. just this port of Skyrim? Would you really right, even that's, care? That's what I'm saying. It's like, what what is up with the Switch that it take it takes Bethesda that long to port fucking Skyrim? Like Skyrim is available on so many different platforms. Like I don't I I can't figure out why it needs to wait until August Plus unless something is like massively fucked up with this hardware. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not going to be the HD version either, is it? I, I don't know. I thought I read that it's If it's not, not the remaster I'm... and it's <laughs> Jesus. I again don't quote me on that. You may want to actually yeah, look it I, up I while don't know. we're doing, but I thought, yeah. So and then what else? Grasshopper Studios, man, they they don't even have a fucking title or nothing. They have a concept. And then FIFA. Fucking <laughs> FIFA. That was it. Like, seriously, there's there's really like I pulled it up, what we're looking at for um, launch lineup is that one two switch, which is, which is not even coming with bundled with the switch. That's huge for me right there too. That's yeah. like holy shit. They want to charge how much for that? I don't know actually. I don't have all the prices. Yeah, but that most of the games are actually. They want to charge anything. Yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> because you're apparently you're paying twenty bucks more for the Switch version of Zelda than the Wii U version, which I was looking at the differences between the two, and it's like nine hundred p versus seven twenty p for the Wii U version, and they're both going to be running at thirty frames per second. The switch is going to have higher quality environmental sounds, so your sounds of steps, water, grass, etc <laughs> the statement was saying are more realistic enhance the game's open air feel fuck you <laughs> twenty bucks for <laughs> for that no, no, that ain't gonna happen. So, yeah, so I'm not in a, a huge rush for that. But anyway, so we're looking at this 1-2 Switch. Uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Just Dance 2017, which some people want to play. Um, has Been Heroes, uh, I don't even know. Snipper Clips, there's a whole bunch of shit, too, that you're like, what the fuck is this? Super Bomberman are uh, Disgaea 5 Complete, uh, a Tetris Poyo, Poyo Poyo Tetris, 
Rayman Legends, which is an old fucking game as well. Steep Skylanders, Skylanders Imaginators, and I Am Setsuna, which also an older game. But that's it. That's that's the launch titles for the new console. Oh, oh. like it, it's one of those things where there people are like, okay, launch lineups always suck, and not that's like this. True. But at least most launch lineups contain new and original things. Not – is there anything other than like the, the goofy little motion control games that you can't get somewhere else? Uh, good question. And I know that some of them, a lot of them, are on other consoles or on PC. Like maybe obviously. Bomberman. I think that might be it. <laughs> yeah, like most of them, yeah. I mean, again, it's just – it is a shitty lineup, and it's going to stay a shitty lineup for quite a while. So, yeah, like you were saying, you better like that Zelda game. It better be fucking good and have many hundreds of hours of gameplay because you're going to be waiting a goddamn long time for something else. Mm-hmm. And and it's not like you're going to have... But, hey, you, you can play your one free Nintendo <laughs> or Super Nintendo game. Yes, let's move on to the paid service. Because <laughs> that's where I was going to bitch some more. They are finally going to introduce a paid service, which I have no problem with it being paid. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, akin to uh, PS Plus and Xbox Live. And I have, I'm a huge proponent of both of those, the Live and PS Plus. I tell people, even if you don't have the console, if you can afford the 50 or so dollars a year, Get it and then start racking up those free games because uh, Sony will let you keep them as long as you have your membership and Microsoft just lets you keep them. And so you have titles and Sony is especially good because you can make sure that you quote unquote buy the free games for all of the consoles. So that because you never know if you're going to pick up a Vita used or if you're going to pick up a PS3 used or, you know, eventually move up to a four. So get them all, which I do. And with the Xbox, I make sure I get both those 360 games and the Xbox one. They're fantastic services. And some of the free games that you get are fucking awesome. Like Mm -hmm. some months you look at the titles that are coming out and you're like, holy shit, like that came out not that long ago. And and even if it is sometimes a little bit older, again, you're getting multiple titles. And the PS Plus especially, I find, is phenomenal. Now, that's not counting all of the other things that you get from it because that's, you know, standard fare, being able to create groups, have voice chat, all of these play multiplayer games and all this shit. Apparently, yeah, the cloud syncing and, like, all, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. Apparently Nintendo just didn't fucking pay attention to any of this or research it. Nobody plays or subscribes to PS Plus or Live because they're doing their own shit. And they're free games and free. I got like, I've never made air quotes this big. (laughs) (laughs) Just look at the shoulder. You get one NES or Super NES game a month. But you only have it for the month. If you want to play it anytime thereafter, you have to pay for it. You're essentially renting one fucking old game <laughs> to play for only the month. And then you'll get something else the following month. Oh my God. <laughs> and it's not like they don't have a wealth of of titles in their library that they couldn't be offering you one or two titles a month and let you keep them. Forget about, you know, they can, they can do the same thing as the Xbox. Just fucking here. It's yours or the PS plus. As long as you have your membership, you can keep playing these games. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with paying them a monthly or a yearly amount. And then having all these titles and deals on other games that come out. But no, they are going to gouge their audience. And I I was fucking disgusted with that. Like, the amount of perceived value Nintendo has in these classic games is staggering. Like, 
I, I, I almost can't even put it into words. Like, what are they losing by letting you keep Super Mario Brothers? Yeah. It's fucking Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> like, well, the other thing, too, to keep in mind is that much like with the uh, PS Plus or the Live, they get to use that service to try to get you interested in various IPs as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? Toss up some little obscure titles or something that maybe people aren't as interested to kind of hype something that's going to be coming out in another game to entice people to buy those newer titles or whatever. There's a new Metroid game coming out. Hey, how about we toss them a free Metroid game, an old classic one? How so about that they can all the Metroid games? That too. <laughs> it's, it's not like they're going to lose out on sales of a 25-year-old game. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, like, the the opportunities are there but they're just seeing bottom line dollars and and assuming that gouging an audience will be what gets them the most profit because this is not a system that is for your audience this is very much a system for you to profit off of your audience and yes you should be profiting off of your audience but that shouldn't be your main driving goal that we're going to screw you as much as we can and that's what this is as opposed to, hey, here's some fucking awesome games. Yes, we'll take your money, but look at what you're getting for it. Every month, you're getting more in terms of value than what you pay for the subscription subscription for the entire year. And mm-hmm. so in that regard, it's worth it. It's well worth it. This is like, I mean, and it's not even going to include all of the shit that's in the other services by default, you're going to have to use an external smartphone app. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. To do shit. You want to make a group? You want to have a voice chat or anything like that? You need to use your phone, not your console, your phone. I already phone. have that. It's called Skype and Discord. Yeah. What do I need your shit for. <laughs> unbelievable. Like, unbelievable. So, yeah, when you're looking at the... Uh, subscriber services versus non-subscriber. There's the online gameplay, which is only going to be for subscribers. It's going to be free for non-subscribers until what are, you, what are you losing out on? Yeah. Um, online lobby and voice chat app. That's going through your phone. Monthly game downloads. We've already established that fucking sucks. Exclusive deals. I'll believe that when I see it. And then access to the Nintendo eShop. Obviously, everybody's going to have that. Register and manage friends. Everybody's going to have that. Share screenshots to social media. Everybody has that. And access to Nintendo Switch parental controls app. Well, who the fuck cares? That should be on any console by default, really. Yeah. Come on. you're not. That's not that's a not, sales not a feature. feature. For, yeah. So that's it. That Like, that's it. No trophies, no achievements, and the friends things, I'm going to wager real fucking money that it's not going to be anywhere near as robust as the friend system that we have in either the, for PlayStation or Xbox. Even to this day, adding a friend on 3DS is like alcohol. Oh my God, dude. (laughs) That's fucking nuts. I had to add a bunch of people and it was like, oh my God. (laughs) And then we got information again about how much it's going to cost as well. Forget about the service. We still don't know how much that's going to cost. They haven't announced it that I know of. But the console is going to cost 300 um, US. I, I didn't even check what that the Canadian one is going to be at least 350, if not more. Um, but yeah, 300 bucks. And that's going to get you the Joy-Con controllers, the tablet, the docking station. The cables, obviously, um, and that's about it. And also the grip to turn the Joy-Con into a controller, but it's not the grip one that charges them. It's just a regular old one to make it into a controller. And no extra, no like pro controller. That, that motherfucker is expensive too. Yes, it's like what seventy five like US, 70 I believe. Bucks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for a controller, people. For a controller. That's nuts. Um, Yeah, not cool. So those are, I mean, that's, again, that's it. That's, that's like one of the bundles is going to have the, just the the plain Joy-Cons. And then another one, fucking 
hideous where they're they're putting the blue what is it the blue and the the red or the I, I don't know I it's, think is what it is yeah they're they're kind of mixing them up so so for what you're getting like I mean for 300 300 first of all I think we can agree is way too high for what you're getting I understand mm. that this is also a tablet but it simply is not going to be able to compete with the iPad. It won't. It, it will. I guarantee inter- you, I can find a tablet with that same screen resolution and a Tegra processor for a hell of a lot less. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, <laughs> definitely, yeah. But the and I keep going to the iPad just because it is the console that everybody mm-hmm. or not console, I should say. Sorry, the the most popular tablet, and it is the one that at least everybody, if they don't own one, they know somebody who does, so they can get a good handle for the, the comparison essentially like this the switch is going to be able to do things by virtue of the fact that it's going to have those controllers on the side or whatever so it will be able to do some gaming obviously far better than the the ipad can that said though because of you, you can't just look at tech specs for um for both of those and just compare them the, the, like you know apples to oranges they're not because again it's about what you can do on it and the ipad store the the apple store is a fucking hot mess simply because there's so much on there now that you have to sift through to find anything that's worthwhile but the fact remains there is a crap load that is worthwhile on it <laughs> this you're only going to be playing a few games on it and only for a a long time and also, battery life is poor on these things. Like, I mean, fine for if you're looking at it, well, you're playing Skyrim, you can't expect to play for much more than three hours. Okay, fine, whatever. But still, you know, three hours before you have to plug it in, that's actually not very long when you compare it to the alternative and what you can get from other handhelds and the iPad. So, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 like like you said, you can't expect much more battery life for what you're doing. So like that's that's kind of a non-issue for me. Yeah, well, it, it is an issue for in, me. In the long list of things to complain about, battery life doesn't rank. <laughs> put it that. Way. Okay, I will agree that it's it's not nearly as important as a whole crapload of the really bad stuff. So trust me, I, I will agree to that. However, I can only get angry about so many things, Roger. Yes. <laughs> I can't. I have <laughs> vast wells that I can draw from. <laughs> That's what happens when you get old. <laughs> so, yeah, though, the, the I to me, that matters, especially when you're looking at it in terms of that, not necessarily target audience so much as what they're trying to target for you to do with the console to pick it up and go to friends houses to do things. Well, you better be packing that, that plugin because you're going to need it. If you were on a fucking rooftop somewhere, because <laughs> it is going to die on you. Hook that shit up to some solar panels while you're on the roof. Cause otherwise, yeah, your, your Skyrim is going to end pretty damn fast. And they, they, they had to show off the multiplayer stuff in the, the, the kind of co-op multiplayer of everybody having one of these things. I don't foresee that happening a lot, especially when you look at the history of, again, how many people bought the Wii U and how that's going to translate to this. I know that they're going to sell more of these than the Wii U, certainly, but I don't think it's going to be anywhere. Well, obviously it's nowhere, not even going to be remotely close to what the Wii was. That's, that's just the blip on the map that they're never going to attain again. But I still think that it's not going to be anywhere near enough to, that you're going to see these type of things. So they're 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 building encounters, they're building uh, games to kind of make use of that. And I feel it's going to be a waste of developmental time, de- development time. Mm-hmm. So, so you can pre-order it. <laughs> well, let's see. If I pre-order one now, I might have it by next year. Are they selling out everywhere near you? It, well, pre-orders through Amazon and GameStop are sold out already. Their their allocations are more than accounted for. Yeah, I, I honestly, I, I would assume bother Best Buy is it going to be that great? Like again, just the NES Mini. How how well did that go? <laughs> yeah, I again, I it's, 
And again, we've talked about this before where in like, I, I like new tech. We all do. You know, that's why we do this show. I, I like being able to, to buy something. And it's not like 300 bucks would break the bank for us. We are watching our money within reason. But, you know, 300 bucks for a new console is yeah, a I, reasonable I, I amount. 300 bucks at something. Yeah. But I don't want to spend 300 on this. <laughs> I really, really don't want to spend 300 Because, again, for me, it's going to be closer to 350 And then on top of that, the only game at launch that I give a rat's ass about would be Zelda where you're paying that premium on top of it as well to be able to have it on the switch. So all told taxes in, I'm looking at 500 bucks approximately and it's just not worth it. It's simply not worth it for me. If they gave me one, yeah, I'll play the shit out of it. I'm sure I would. (laughs) I'll even buy some games for it. You know? Yeah, I would. But, I, because again, there's, and, and this is one of the things that I've mentioned uh, for me, because again, I'm always at the, the house for the most part. I'm not, I don't care about bringing it with me anywhere, but the idea of being able to just pop it out and play on the go, whether that's the can or, you know, sitting down watching a show with Karen or, or before bed even, I'm good mm-hmm. with that. I don't mind that. I've got other things that I could do that on perhaps better but whatever okay maybe i would make use of it but there's so many other things with this that compounded make it that this is like toxic to me at this point that i i just i i can't i can't get behind this i i don't know help me out here (laughs) i you're asking the wrong person (laughs) like i at this point nintendo has to prove themselves to me like I can't go on blind faith anymore. Oh, like, yeah. I haven't been able to go on blind faith for a while, but it's no. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you've got to do something. You've got to prove that your, your product is a worthwhile investment of time and money. Like, 3ds absolutely i still tell anybody to go buy a 3ds that is still one of the best consoles you can buy right now. So, but this, no, no. You got to try harder. Because this is going to be the replacement for the 3DS as well. I cannot. Im- I. You really yeah. think they're going to be working on another handheld? Because that's I the whole point anymore. of this. I don't know with these people. Because, yeah, like, I mean, this is when you look at the the pictures that they showed, uh, just to give people an idea of the scale of how this uh, kind of measures out against both the Wii U as well as a, a 3DS kind of thing. It's it's not as clunky as the Wii U controller, which bonus there, because that shit is not fun to play games on for an extended period of time, which is going to be the same with this, but I digress. It still is better. And it is that much bigger and better screen than the, the mm-hmm. 3DS to be while still portable, uh, look a damn sight better and basically be able to play everything that you would otherwise while it's dark kind of thing. So, so again, there's some pros there. And I think that it's just the right size that they are going to try to entice people that, hey, maybe it doesn't fit in your back pocket, but it's going to fit in your bag when you're going and not be that mm-hmm. cumbersome thing. I really don't think we're going to see another handheld from them. I would I, be very surprised. On on one hand, I agree. Like, if this were to eventually phase out the the DS line, I would be okay with that. Like, if you would, I'm sure. Fuck, I, I'm I wouldn't. Sh- well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The Nintendo Switch may be a shitty console, but I think it would be a nice portable device. <laughs> like you said, you know, comparing it to the 3DS, it's a hell of an upgrade. But like I said, I don't I don't know anymore. Yeah. N- Nintendo's decision making process is archaic and i'm not archaic uh, arcane to me like i can't i can't fathom it at all yeah the see the for me too i as somebody who adores his vita you prop Mm -hmm. it up against the 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 switch and the vita again it's they're very similar in size but the vita is just small enough that yes it can be in your pocket Mm -hmm. and it is far more portable battery life is better it's got a better online system. There's, you know, better storage, <laughs> better fucking everything. Like apparently the, if I'm not mistaken, I read that the um, uh, Zelda game, what uses up, I believe like half of the memory for the switch. 
Well, let's be honest. That's not one, a lot. One game. Yeah, but one game. You can't do shit like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently you can, but just don't expect everybody to be excited about it. Because that is not fucking cool at all. Like, that is really not cool. So I'm going to stick with my fucking Vita. <laughs> Thank you very much. So, again, we'll see. Eventually, there will be more games, one would assume. Um, I'm really hoping that they are going to push these third-party developers a lot harder but the fact that they haven't yet and the fact that we're not seeing many third-party games at launch or even shortly thereafter worries me greatly and Mm -hmm. were this sony's new console or even microsoft's new console i'd be worried but pretty optimistic that this will iron itself out within the first year. You'll have a crap load of titles. So it's worth picking up anyways. But again, I keep looking back to that Wii U that I have that's collecting dust <laughs> that has barely any games available for it. Or I should say games of consequence that I actually wouldn't want to play. There's some, but not a ton of them. So it's like, oh, fuck. So, so that's that. So any parting thoughts? No. I, no. Mm, I don't blame no. Just <laughs> the, the vague hope that they're somehow not going to fuck it up. I yeah. That's kind of implying that they haven't already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All, right, all right. That's going to wrap it up for tonight. Thank you for listening. Of course, you can find the show notes at For the Lore. Yeah. At for the lore I, I am. I'm scrolling. You know, I'm looking around. for my notes Just and my. It, it, it kind of like. It hung there. Okay. You find com slash. No, not live. See, because we barely do that anymore. Because we never record on the same fucking day. I'm redoing this. <laughs> this is script. epic. I, I had to scroll because my notes are like way down low for the switch. And then scroll up. I've got notes for our next popcorn Ronin. Scroll up. I've got notes on Nakuria's back or story here in the chat. <laughs> I kind of didn't scroll fast enough. Fuck it, I'm leaving it in. <laughs> you people know where you to find us. You can find the show notes at Tiefling Warlock. Wait, no. That's no, not, not right. that. <laughs> We're also on Twitter. At For the Lore, individually, Joe, who could not make it tonight, at Loaders at J. Vincent Simodian. He's going to have a very fancy new avatar on Twitter soon. My avatar? No. Yes, you are. I'm going to make no. Allie change I'm sticking it with the turtle. No, this is awesome. You the turtle to. is love. <laughs> and I am at Zen Buddhist. Leave us your thoughts on iTunes and Stitcher. With that, we will see you guys next week. Holy fuck, that was epically bad. <laughs> that was a new level of bad. <laughs> Ali's new avatar on Twitter is adorable. <laughs> Stop. (laughs) Don't we have a podcast to do? (laughs) You've got a new avatar coming in soon. I read it in the tea leaves. <laughs> ah, she put a picture. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I am saving those. <laughs> oh, Vince. <laughs> I love your girlfriend.
Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.